Welcome to the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling, Rector at All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida. Today we're going to look at the last Sunday after the Epiphany in the Book of Common Prayer, our daily lectionary readings. Now, last week we looked at the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany, and if you'll notice in your Book of Common Prayer, there's a sixth Sunday after the Epiphany, a seventh Sunday after the Epiphany, and an eighth Sunday after the Epiphany. Why are we going all the way back to, and skipping those three, going to the last Sunday after the Epiphany? Because Ash Wednesday is on February 17th of this year. And Ash Wednesday is determined by when Easter is going to be. And believe it or not, there's a book in the lectionary, in the Book of Common Prayer, that says when Easter is going to be for the next 50 years. And so we back off from that Ash Wednesday, and from there we determine how many Sundays after the Epiphany we're going to have. Now remember I said last week that Epiphany is always on January the 6th. Again, that's the Magi coming to bring gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so from the 6th of January to Ash Wednesday, which is a movable date. It's always on a Wednesday, but it might be in March. It might be in February. It's obviously never going to be in April. March or February, and then we celebrate, as you'll see next week, we'll be looking at this, the weeks in Lent. And there's five weeks in Lent, followed by Palm Sunday, and then, of course, Easter Sunday. So we are in the week of last epiphany, and we are looking at the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, 1 through 9, through chapter 7. We are looking at the book of Hebrews and Titus for the New Testament. And for the gospel reading, we're looking mostly at the book of John. The book of John and the first chapter of John, interestingly enough. And then, of course, we have a specific series of readings for Ash Wednesday, for Ash Wednesday, namely Jonah chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 12, and Luke chapter 18. So let's begin by looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6. So as you prepare yourself for Lent and the death of Christ, on Good Friday and the Resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday. The daily lectionary readings are a wonderful way to do that because you are following along in the church calendar, in the church year, in the church cycle, the readings from Scripture that prepare yourselves for that particular season. So we are in the season of Epiphany. Before Epiphany is Christmas, before Christmas is Advent. After Epiphany is Lent, after Lent is Easter. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, verse 1. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may possess them in the land to which you are going over to possess. So there are certain things that God wants us to do. There are certain things that the people of Israel God wanted to do as they were led by Moses. Fear the Lord your God. Keep all of his statutes and his commands. Hear and be careful to do them, he says in chapter 6, verse 3. Care, be careful to do them, 
that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God has pr promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So we begin with Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a beautiful exposition of what God wants Israel to do when they move into the new land that he's going to give them, the land that he's promised, the land overflowing with milk and honey. There are certain rules and regulations. They don't have permission to do everything and anything they want. They don't have permission to break God's commandments. They don't have permission to, to come up with their own commandments. What they have permission to do is hear what the commandments of God are and to do those commandments. They are also supposed to teach their children those commandments. Hear, O Israel, verse 4, chapter 6, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Jesus actually repeats that in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. And so the Lord is going to bring them to a good land, and he's going to take care of them. But they must obey the Lord in order for that to take place. And so he says that in many ways in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy. It's a beautiful chapter. I love chapter 6 in Deuteronomy. Next, we go to Jonah chapter 3 and 4, and this is in the middle of the week on Ash Wednesday. I told you that Ash Wednesday punctuates the week of uh, the last Sunday after the Epiphany, and of course we have Jonah is in the whale. Jonah praises and, and magnifies the Lord. The Lord delivers him, and then Jonah at the end in, in, uh, in chapter 4 has this extraordinary uh, revelation about who God is and actually pouts quite a bit. And uh, so we have this wonderful tete-a-tete -tete with Jonah uh, who needs to repent of his sin as well as calling the Ninevites to repent uh, as we see in Jonah. Now we come back to, uh, so enjoy Jonah, beautiful, beautiful short book. Uh, we call Jonah a minor prophet. There are 12 minor prophets and four major prophets and Jonah is a minor prophet. Deuteronomy chapter seven, you are a people holy the Lord your God, verse six. And we find this scripture on Thursday. The Lord God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You are significant, you are important, but you do not have the freedom to do whatever you want to do. You are representing God. You need to listen to what God is telling you. You need to be open to what God is telling you. Know therefore that your Lord, the Lord your God is God, verse nine, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. Okay, so God tells you exactly the way he wants you to live. He tells you exactly what he wants you to do. And he tells you exactly what the consequences of doing that are. He also shares with us what it is that he will do to us if we do not do what he says. And he shows us and he tells us why we should obey the Lord and why we don't obey the Lord and encourages us to obey the Lord. Again, what I love about the book of Deuteronomy, chapter six and seven, is God is very, very clear about what he expects us to do. So enjoy that reading this week as you put yourself in the place of the Jewish people at that time, very long time ago, but also put yourself in a situation where God speaks to you and you hear those words that he utters to you. Now, we go to Hebrews. Hebrews is at, almost at the end of the New Testament. Hebrews is almost at the end of the New Testament after Philemon, after Philemon or Philemon, you might call it Philemon, chapter 12, 
18 to 29 on Sunday. Chapter 12, 18 to 29 on Sunday. He talks about a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a voice that speaks, talking about Moses, quoting Moses, which we just heard about in chapter 6 and 7 of Deuteronomy. And I love the last two verses of chapter 12. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. We look at the beginning of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, 1 to 14, and Hebrews chapter 2 in the next couple of days. These are more eclectic verses and chapters. They're not following a particular order. And so in the last Sunday after the Epiphany, it's a little bit more, um, again, eclectic. And so the author in chapter 1 is asking us to think about his son, who is appointed heir of all things, chapter 1, verse 2, through whom he created the world. He's talking about Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So he's talking about this person, Jesus. He goes on to talk about him as you are my son, today I have begotten you. I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. Let all God's angels worship him. So the beginning of Hebrews is, that, is about this extraordinary person, Jesus. And as we go through Hebrews, which we are not, but if you were to go through Hebrews, you would find out how great the son is as compared to the folks of the Old Testament and how he fulfills prophecy. In chapter 2, on Tuesday, he talks about the... Uh, our salvation and how important our salvation it is. But we see him, verse 9, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And this is what Jesus did for us. He tasted death for us. In the daily lectionary on the week after of last Epiphany, or the last Sunday after the Epiphany, we go to Titus. Where is Titus? Titus is right before Philemon or Philemon. Remember I said that earlier, before Hebrews? So after 2 Timothy, which we looked at last week, remember 2 Timothy chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4? There are three chapters to Titus. Titus is a, um, a wonderful man to Titus, verse 4 of chapter 1, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. Now Titus is short, again, three chapters, but very meaty, very, very excellent uh, teaching. He's talking to a person. Sometimes he talks to a church, Galatians, Romans, Corinthians, Colossians, Thessalonians, sometime to a person, Timothy, and now Titus and Philemon. Those are three persons that he is speaking to. The Word of the Lord to Titus is very beautiful, very profound, um, talking about the church, uh, later book that Paul writes. Um, and he, I love chapter 2, verse 1. It's one that I've tried to memorize. It, but it's for you, teach what, with, what accords with sound doctrine. So since I am a teacher, what God says for me to do is to teach what accords with sound doctrine. I do not have permission to go and do and teach whatever I want. I do not have a permission to interpret it my own way or do it what I think is right, but according to what the Holy Spirit says and what God has written so that doctrine may be sound. 
okay, may be sound. Now, he goes on in chapter 2 to talk about older men. He talks about younger men. He's talking about the church and the way that we should relate to one another and what kind of leadership skills and talents we should all possess. Now, in Christmas time, we have two very famous scriptures, interestingly, uh, that are in the book of Titus. What are the odds that this short book would have two of the key scriptures for Christmas? And they are chapter 2, 11 through 14, and chapter 3, 4 through 7. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, chapter 2, verse 11, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. How we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to believe. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So the idea of Jesus dying for us, uh, of, of being with us, the significance of Jesus in chapter 2, verse 13, who gave himself for us, died for our sins, to redeem us, to purify uh, himself a good people, zealous for good works. Then he says in verse 15, declare these things and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So you, Titus, are called to preach these things. You, Titus, are called to teach these things. You, Titus, are called to take these words and to make them apparent to the people in your community. And so chapter 3, verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Now that appearance obviously is at Christmas time. So that's why that scripture is used. And then the Chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared. Okay, that's back to Christmas time again. So God's grace appeared. The goodness and kindness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, and he saved us. Then he goes on to tell you about what the gift of salvation is about. So it's interesting how this tiny little book has two of the most famous scriptures in the Bible based on the very important date of Christmas that everybody loves and adores. So enjoy the book of Titus. Again, read slowly. This may be a text you have not read very often before, and I hope you will enjoy it as you prepare yourself for Lent. Well, we end up in the book of John, the book of John. And of course, he talks about the prologue on Monday, chapter 1, 1 to 18. What is the prologue? The prologue is the beginning of the book. In the book of Matthew, we begin with the genealogy of Jesus. In the book of Luke, we begin with Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of Christ. In the book of Mark, Jesus is already beginning his ministry. In fact, the book of Mark begins with John the Baptist. And then Jesus gets baptized and then goes into the desert, the wilderness, to be confronted by the devil. And then he begins his ministry. And the book of John starts with a prologue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So we had this fabulous text, very, very theologically laden, very profound teaching about looking at it from a cosmic point of view rather than the birth of Christ in Matthew, the birth of Christ in, Mark, uh, in Luke, and then the beginning of his ministry in Mark. Now we're stepping back and we're saying, in the beginning. You know, reminds me so much of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
So in Jesus Christ, there is no literal beginning where he was made. He has always been here. He has, he has not, not ever not existed. I said that poorly, but Jesus Christ is eternal. He's an eternal being. And the Father is an eternal being, and the Son and the Holy Spirit are eternal beings. All right. Chapter 1 talks about the testimony of John the Baptist in chapter 1, verses 19 to 28, and then the calling, and then the, the idea of beholding, behold the Lamb of God, where John the Baptist is asked about his relationship with Jesus. And he says, I saw in verse 32, the Spirit descend on him like a dove and remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he, he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. Then he calls his first disciples, and then he calls Philip and Nathaniel. So this confrontation with Jesus is extraordinarily important. Uh, he begins his ministry with John the Baptist. He then begins with the prologue, even going before, we're talking about the beginning of time, before John the Baptist, or literally to the very beginning. And then he appears, he shows up, he's born, he begins his ministry. John the Baptist is, testifies to him because they're wondering, who, is he the Messiah? Is John the Messiah? What is this man? What is he about? He calls his disciples, and as we'll see in John later, when we study the book of John, we'll see how John lays out Jesus' ministry. But for now, he has called his first disciples, come and see, follow me. Come and see, follow me. Come and listen to what I have to say to you and see how that's going to make a difference in your life. Well, in this week of last Epiphany, the last Sunday after the Epiphany, you are preparing yourselves for the coming of the Lord. You're preparing yourselves for a Holy Lent, and we will begin the discussion of Lent next time. God bless you, and thank you for watching The Word of God.